That's what we've been talking about around here. It's a Christmas, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not Christmas, it's Christmas. Let's just be honest with it. And as a matter of fact, uh, you've come to a very, very fortunate service today because I've decided to make it so real for you that uh, I gave you a scratch and sniff card. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but go ahead and pull it out. I want to make sure that you see what's going on. And if you want to, you can go ahead and scratch the yellow one and just get a nice relaxing whiff of Christmas, huh? Isn't that nice? And that just relax you a little bit? Because that's what I'm trying to do. Everybody comes all hurried into the Christmas Eve services. I understand that. There's a lot of reasons. Maybe you let your wife drive and, you know, that's why you're stressed out. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because, uh, you know, you, you know, just getting to church is difficult. The, the whole thing of all the things that we add to Christmas is difficult. For us, it's 14 services if you work for the church. I mean, it's a stressful time for us, a lot of crazy things going on. But it's that way with every church. I found this audio clip of a church organist who uh, hit the wrong pedal right at the, right at the worst possible time during Handel's Messiah. It's called The Organist's Last Concert. <laughs> reality of Christmas, isn't it? You know, we, we build it all up, we try to do everything we can, and then we get right up to the end of it, and, and, and something goes wrong. The, the fun part about listening to that audio clip is I like to watch the crowd, because uh, the musically, musically inclined of you, like my in-laws sitting down there, uh, the, the, you know, the, you're just like cringing, you're just dying, and a whole bunch of you are just like, what's wrong with that? Sound fine to me, <laughs> right? And we know who you are because we sing next to you sometimes, and you should just kind of keep it low, okay? That's all we can tell you. Uh, uh, that's what that, that's the problem with Christmas is, is that Christmas was not you know it was a silent night I don't think so was it all calm all bright no I, I really don't think so and, and the truth is I think we need to concentrate on the on the mess that's going on at first Christmas so that we can understand that that having a mess in our life is probably normal too and some of you walked in here and you're perfect in every way and we're really glad to have you here but normally the people that come to Parkview are kind of messed up my favorite story was a guy who was a biker dude, and he got a patch for his jacket that said WWJD, but he didn't know what it meant, um, and, and he thought it meant we want Jack Daniels, okay? That, that's kind of the, it parked you people. It's not, you know, instead of what would Jesus do, it was we want Jack Daniels. That's kind of the people that we are. As a matter of fact, we're just, we just try to be really, really real around here, and uh, somewhere along the way, I don't even know how it really happened, I gave an illustration about bacon. Uh, I talked about how turkey bacon is so dumb, because it's not bacon. You know, it's a turkey product, but it's not bacon. If you're going to have bacon, you've got to have bacon. It's made out of pork and fat, and you fry it crispy, and that's real. That's what it is. So if you scratch the little blue one there, you may need to fold the Christmas one over a little bit. Scratch the little blue one, give you a little bacon for Christmas, huh? Isn't that nice? A little scratch and sniff bacon right there, ladies and gentlemen. Because we're not the turkey bacon church, man. You don't have to fake it around here. We're not Canadian bacon. We're American bacon. Just real. Just real bacon. That's who we are. As a matter of fact, this is my manger at home. I don't even know if you understand how much I love this. It's just a, just a church full of meat, man. That's who we are. We're just real meat, fat and meat all mixed together. 
So, you know, again, if, if your life is all together, thanks for coming. We got a door prize for you on the way out. Get out of here, no come back. But for the rest of you that live in the land of reality, you need to understand that the Christmas message is this it's about messy people who get rescued. That's what Christmas is. One of my favorite quotes is from a theologian that lived 100 years ago who said, his name was C.T. Studd. That's part of the reason why it's one of my favorite quotes because his name is Studd. He says this He says, Some people want to run. Uh, live within the sound of a mission bell, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. Some people want to live within the sound of the mission bell, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. That's who we are. That's, that's who I am. That's what Christmas is. That's who Jesus was. So I want you to understand. I mean, some, some Christians want to go, you know, into their little bunkers, you know, with their little spam, you know, and hide away from all the rest of the world and, 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 and just be with themselves. But that's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus called us to. That's why we do 14 Christmas Eve services, so that everybody can have room to come and hear about this story. And, and, and the deal with this story is, we love Joseph and Mary. I've already talked about them. I'm going to give you some other examples from the Christmas story, uh, three to be specific, because I want you to have some other ones. Because as I was uh, getting a text this morning from a, from a lady, she said, you know, I always loved Mary, but I could never relate to Mary. Can we just be honest? The Ave Maria is on your Christmas album because Mary was unbelievable. Mary was awesome. Mary was highly favored. Joseph was unbelievable. He was righteous. He did the right thing every time he had a decision. That's all we know about Joseph. And I don't know about you or me, but I don't always make the right decisions. Even when God, if an angel showed up and said, do this, I'm not sure I would always do the things that Mary and Joseph did. So there's some other people at the nativity scene. There's some other people as you drive by your, you know, your neighbor's yard and they got their nativity set out there. There's some other people in that scene that you should think a little bit more about. There's some people in there that really have no right to be in the stable, in the manger scene at all. The first group would obviously be the shepherds. And I want to tell you that they're not too low for the manger. All right? There's nobody lower than a shepherd in, in, in the culture of that day. I tried to figure out what that could be without offending anybody that was in that field of service in the 21st century. And this is the best I could come up with. It'll be your tweetable moment for the day. The shepherds were lower than a Lambeau field toilet attendant. It doesn't get any lower than that, does it, guys? Huh? Ladies, Lambeau Field's where the Packers play. Sorry, I mean, the, the guys understand it. Lower than a Lambeau Field toilet attendant, T.L. Harlow, at T.L. Harlow. If you don't follow me, you're probably not going to heaven. Get on Twitter and follow me and tweet that. What I'm saying is that if Jeff Foxworthy were alive in the first century, his jokes would not be about rednecks. They would be about shepherds. You understand that? If you think a seven-course meal is a bucket of KFC and a six-pack, you might be a shepherd. If you think the last words to the star-spangled banner are, gentlemen, start your engines, you might be a shepherd. If you met your wife at a family reunion, oh, I got more. Here's a shepherd Powerball winner, okay? Shepherd Powerball winner on vacation. This is where the rest of the shepherds go on vacation. I'll stop, okay? There are several reasons why I want you to understand how low the shepherds were. 
Uh, one is because they were unclean, all right, which meant they couldn't go worship in the temple because they'd been with the animals. And the second reason had to do with being with the animals as well. Do you understand what people smell like when all they do is live and sleep with the animals? These were Bedouins. They lived in tents and they slept. In, there were no showers. And they slept and they lived and they worked with the animals all the time. I know you city folk don't understand this, but I grew up in Oklahoma. And when the kids came from the farm into school that day, you knew they came from the farm into school that day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just have to grab a hold of that. And what's so beautiful about the story of the manger and the story of Christmas is that the one time nobody would have smelled the shepherd's coming. I mean, normally, if they went into Walmart, you were like, oh, okay, right, you know they're there. Mary and Joseph didn't. Why? Because they were already in the barn. It was already smelly. You want to talk about a Christmas? The first one stunk. It really didn't smell good. So if you go over to the green one on the left side, I'll give you a little whiff of what the shepherd smelled like. Just scratch that off. Oh, that is nasty. He did not just do that, did he? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. That's how weird I am. That's welcome to Parkview. Uh, and you know what the problem is? Now your finger smells bad. Uh, I love it. You got to stick it in your pocket for the whole rest of the service. Listen, I'm sorry to have to do that to you, but if I'm going to give you the reality of Christmas, i got to give you the reality of Christmas. The first public announcement that came to any group of people was to the smelly shepherds living in their fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord shone around them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And an angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. That's why this is a party for all the people. Today, in the town of David, Savior has been born. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. See, I think we just heard this story too many times. I needed you to smell it, okay? What kind of a statement was God making when he told his angels to fly over Jerusalem, the center of religion, and fly around Rome, the center of power, and fly out to the sticks? to the people who were camping in their tents who smelled like sheep to say, whoo-hoo, okay, here we go. Glory to God in the highest. A Savior has been born. Not only that, but this was the night shift of the lowest job that existed, right? I was in a Bedouin camp this summer in Israel. Um, they, we got to ride camels there. That's me and my daughter, Becca. We got, to, we got to experience what it was like to be with them, and they told me something interesting I'd never thought about before. They said, you realize that the night shift would have been the young people. It would have been like the teenagers. It was like, you know, it would have been, it would have been the, the, the kids who would have been left uh, uh, out with the sheep at night, and their parents were probably sleeping, which is really fascinating. If you think about the whole deal with David, because David was the youngest, King David was the youngest in his family. Nobody thought he would amount to anything, and he was their king, and he was a shepherd. You see how beautiful this story? I mean, every place you dig into it, it's just beautiful. And suddenly then, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's a good message there, isn't it? And you know, the shepherds were probably going like, is he talking to me? You know, like the guy accidentally texted, I love you too, the other day. I was supposed to go to Denise and it went to him. I'm sure it was the same thing. You're like, are you talking to me? Right? 
Yeah, I'm talking to you, smelly shepherds. And here's the message. It's good news. It's great joy. It'll be to all the people. Say all the people with me. All the people. Matter of fact, let's add a word. All the messy people. All the messy people. Isn't that right? Good news of great joy that will be to all the messy people. I mean, if you think about it, right, if an angel shows up at the White House or at the palace or at the Kardashians and says, hey, I bring you good news of great joy, it's going to be to all people. All the rest of us go, well, whatever. There's no red carpet at my house. That message must not apply to me. But if he shows up at the smelly shepherds and says, you stinky low people, night shift of the low people, this is good news of great joy. That's a completely different message. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, this is good news of great joy. A Savior has been born. And I have to tell you, the message of Christmas is all the messy people means you. All the messy people means you. And it's deeper than the smelliness of your body, obviously. It's about the smelliness of the inside of you. I know that some of you walked in here and you've probably thought, man, if that pastor knew, if that preacher knew what I'd done, if he knew what was going on in my life, he wouldn't want me here. No, 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 that's not true. The green spot tells me it doesn't matter. Shepherds were the first people that got the announcement. As a matter of fact, then Jesus grew up, and what do we know about Jesus? Who did he hang out with? The, 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 the people that nobody else wanted to, right? They, they weren't shepherds anymore. It was the fishermen. Uh, you know, at that point, they would have been the lowest on the totem pole. That's most of his disciples, and a tax collector, and he hung out with sinners all the time, right? And, and, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were like, Jesus, if you're going to try to make this Messiah gig work for you, man, you better quit hanging out with those people, and on hearing this, Jesus said to them, hey guys, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's what Jesus came for. The smelly people, if you think you got your life all together, great. I hope everything works out for you. But if you walked in here needing to be saved because you're a mess, then welcome to Christmas. Second group that was fascinating is the wise men. I mean, obviously the other one's there at, 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 the, at, the, at the manger scene. You're probably going to want to fold these over. You get the park view bacon out of the way and definitely get the shepherd out of the way. And then, then you can cleanse your nose palate, if that's a word, with the wise men. Because that's a little frankincense. I promise. It won't hurt you. That's just a little frankincense there. If you can get the shepherd smell out of the way long enough. The wise men. They brought gold and frankincense. They brought spice and myrrh. They brought spice so that maybe the shepherd's smell wouldn't be so bad, right? And they brought gifts. Now, i got to ask you a question. This is just a little side note. This is just a campaign that I've been on for several years. i got to ask you a question. Is there any mention in there of wrapping paper? Do, do you, have you ever read anything about wrapping paper with the wise men? I mean, they brought the first Christmas present. Who came up with the wrapping paper thing? I just want to know. Guys, do you agree with me? Can I get an amen from you? I mean, nobody wants to wrap a present, okay? That was a, that's a dumb idea. If you want to know which presents are mine under the tree, they look like a giant spitball. That's mine. I can't figure out how to do that. I, I, Dave Barry said, you know, there's a theological fact here that is often overlooked. There is no mention of wrapping paper. There are two reasons for this. Number one, they were wise. Number two, they were men. Amen? All right? 
gift bags, that's all I got to say. Okay, that's my campaign for the day. Here's the scripture. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Why would they go to Jerusalem? Because that's where the king ought to be. And they said, where is this one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. They, They intrigued me. What did they bring? They brought gold. What does that mean? That means the contrast at the nativity set that you have at your manger scene should be very stark to you. You had the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich. That meant both ends of the spectrum and anybody in between is welcome at the manger. But it's so much deeper than this. Do you ever pay attention to the wise men? What are they wearing on their heads? They're wearing turbans. I know you might not know enough, a lot about religions, but the Jews don't wear turbans. These people were from the wrong religion. They were wise men from the east. They were astrologers. So the two groups of people represented at your nativity set are, are smelly shepherds and pagan wise men. I had a guy follow me on Twitter last week. I, I promise, I'm not making this up. I, I follow people back as much as I can, and I, tried to, I went to follow him back, and I looked at his profile. And his profile said, world-renowned psychic. I'm like, why is he following me on Twitter? You know, what's, what's that all about? And, and, and then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to follow him back. I don't, wanna, I don't need to follow a psychic. And besides, if he's a good enough psychic, he already knew I wasn't going to follow him back. <laughs> so there's not really a problem here, right? And then I get to this week, and I start working on this Wiseman message, and it dawned on me that I would not follow a guy on Twitter who thinks he can read the stars, but God invited them to his son's birthday. That ought to tell you a whole lot about Christmas, and that ought to tell you a whole lot about God. He's better than me. He's better than you. These are Gentiles, the first of us non-Jews to come into the kingdom, and they were invited at the very beginning. And Matthew talks about them. Matthew's writing to the Jews, and he doesn't say anything bad about their background or their astrology or the fact that they went to Jerusalem and tipped off Herod, who ended up killing a whole bunch of babies. He doesn't, he doesn't diss them for any of that. He just gives them to us as an example and contrast them with the other participants and says, all the messy people must mean you. And this is so significant because none of the right people are at the manger. You get that, right? So guess what? If you're here today and you're not the right people, cool. If you are here today and you are not religious, great. Please don't start being religious. Just look for Jesus. Because people who really seek him will always find him and they are always welcome. So interesting to me that neither one of these groups would have been allowed to worship God in the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, Jesus said, I came to bring a new covenant. And the old covenant said that you had all these laws that you had to do before you could worship God. You know, you had to sacrifice animals and you had to to do all these things. And then you could go worship God. Well, guess what? Pagans from another religion cannot go worship God at the temple, obviously. The shepherds could not go because they'd been with the animals and they were unclean. So neither one of these groups, according to the old covenant, could even have access to God. And in the new covenant that starts at the very, very beginning of Matthew, not only are they welcomed by God, they're actually called by God. Why? Because all the messy people means you. Everybody's welcome. Isn't that awesome? 
I got to throw one more at you, though. It's Rahab. Rahab was not too bad for the manger. I know you're like, wait a minute, where's Rahab? And where am I going to go find a Rahab person? And, you know, a couple years ago you added a red dragon. You quit messing with my nativity set. I, I understand, but, but first of all, it's my sermon. And when you get a chance to do a sermon, you can do it your way. It's my way, so deal with it. And, and second of all, it is in the Christmas story. You've just been skipping it. I mean, the, the beginning of Matthew, the beginning of, of Luke and Matthew start the Christmas story. Matthew 1.1, here's what's happened. I guarantee you it's happened. You've, you've said, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible. And so you open up to Matthew 1.1. You realize the Old Testament's a little complicated. So you get to Matthew 1.1, and you're like, I'm going to read the New Testament. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, descendant of David and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, blah, 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 blah. And you skip through all the names, and you get down to the good stuff, right? I know, because I do the same thing. But you can't do that. You need to see this. Judah, Perez, Hezron, Ram, Abinadab, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. There she is in the Christmas story. Rahab, who had Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse, who had David. All right? The great-grandmother of King David is a woman named Rahab. Now, what does that tell me? One thing right off the bat, you would have never in the first century put women in your genealogy. So one of the obvious statements that Jesus makes over and over again is women and men are equal in the eyes of God. And this was quite a statement for him to be making in Matthew 1.1. You need to understand that. But the story of Christmas and the reason that I think Rahab ought to be in your manger scene is much deeper than the fact that she's just a woman. Rahab, if she's King David, the way I did the math, if she's King David's great-grandmother, then she's Jesus' great times 31 grandmother. Now, now, you'd say, well, she's not alive, she's not in, well, she's listed in here, and she's listed in here for a reason. I believe the Bible puts everything in here for a reason, and it's really significant for what I'm trying to do at Christmas, because, and I'll try to be sensitive to our audience, but Rahab was a lady of the evening. I, I really, I really, really think this is important. You need to understand, it's, a, it's an old story, 31 generations before Christmas, the, the children of Israel are getting ready to walk into the promised land. They're getting ready to go in finally. Moses is dead. Joshua has taken over. He's getting ready to take them in. And he decides to send some spies in to check out the land. He says, go look over the land, especially Jericho. It's the first city they're going to come to. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. All right. Long story short, Rahab, for some reason has heard the stories about God parting the Red Sea. She's heard the stories about, you know, manna from heaven. She's heard the stories about this God that these people worship. And she realizes that all of her gods just sit on a shelf and don't do anything for her. And so she says, you know what? I'd like to jump in with you guys. I've heard about your God. I'd like to worship your God. I'd like to be with you people. So she takes her life in her hands and she hides these spies until the people go away. And then it says, then she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. In the meantime, they'd made a deal with her. They said, look, it, it, we will rescue you and your family, but we're going to have to identify which house is yours. And the only part of her bargain of the salvation is this, Joshua 2.17. This oath you made us swear will not be binding on you unless when we enter the land... You have tied this red scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Just a, just a way for us to identify you. That's all we need. That's all I need from you. So she sent them away, and they departed, 
and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. You can get your scarlet cord out of your bag because obviously that's what I have in mind for that. I'd just like for you to have it in your hand as I talk about this because it's really important. Do you understand how cool this is in the Christmas story that Rahab got in? You understand Rahab the prostitute is in the story of Christmas? You think it's weird that rednecks and astrologers are at your nativity set? What about Rahab? Imagine the moment when Rahab's looking behind her at her city burning down, all of her past going away, and then all of a sudden going forward and knowing that she is going to be the person that's going to be a new person and get a new start, and everything is going to start all over. And we get down to Joshua 6, and it says, But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And listen to this. And she lives among them to this day. It's one of the coolest stories of grace in the Bible. It's even retold in Hebrews, which is fascinating because Hebrews chapter 11 is called the, 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 the Hall of Faith. It's about all of the great people of faith where, where the writer of Hebrews talks about Noah, he talks about Abraham and Joseph and David and all these great people that were a part of the faith. And Rahab is in there. They don't even ever take her moniker away. She's always the same. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What did she do? She hid the spies. She put out a red cord. It doesn't say anything about the fact that she cleaned up her life. It doesn't say anything about the fact that she was a former sinner. It says she's a current sinner. Evidently, when she saw the children of Israel coming, she turned off her red light and she put out the red cord and she was saved. That's all. No redeeming quality in Rahab that we know of whatsoever except a red cord. No redeeming quality in the shepherds that we know of whatsoever except that God decided to go to them. No redeeming quality in the wise men except they were paying attention. That's all. That's all we have in the Christmas story. And I know that maybe you'll have a red cord moment right now as I'm telling you this story. And you're thinking, you know, like Rahab probably did. I mean, imagine when she has this thing sticking out of the window and she's thinking, I wonder if they're really going to come back for me. That may be how you've always looked at Christmas. I wonder if God could really want me. I mean, Mary is great. Joseph is great. But could God really want me? Could I really get in? Yeah, you could, Rahab, and I'll tell you why. Because he loves you. He loves illicit Rahab, and she's in the story. He loves the smelly shepherds, and she's in the, they're in the story. He loves the pagan wise men, they're in the story. Why? Because it's good news of great joy to all the messy people. So if you're messy, all the messy people means you. You want to know why I run a mission a yard from the gates of hell? I don't really have any choices. This is what God called me to. But there's two reasons that burn deep in my soul. Number one is that's who Jesus was. And I want to be like him. I don't want to just be a church guy. I want to be like Jesus. The second reason is the more I meet people like Rahab, I realize they never really wanted to be in hell in the first place. 
Nobody ever chooses that. I mean, this is a fairly recent revelation for me. I think I've always been a little bit judgmental in my nature. I've always looked at the story of Rahab, uh, you know, or the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery or the woman at the well, and I've always thought, you know, well, those are bad girls, right? I mean, it's a great story because God saved them and they were bad girls. But then I met some of them. In third world countries, in, in our own country, I've met some prostitutes, I've met some bad girls, and you know what I found out? I never have ever met one that woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm going to choose this as a career choice. Never ever. Usually the circumstances that bring them to be in this situation are such that those people didn't think they had any choice. And I'm not defending it. I wish it didn't exist. But how dare I look at Rahab and say, well, how could she do that? Because I didn't live her life. And God didn't do that, and Jesus didn't do that. He invited her to his Christmas story. I mean, don't you think if God wanted to, he could have manufactured the genealogy to have not included Rahab the prostitute? Doesn't it appear to you that there's a reason why God included her in the genealogy, why she is the great times 31 grandmother of his son? Doesn't that make some sense to you? It must be in there because he absolutely wanted it to be in there. And he wanted it to be in there because it's good news of great joy to all the messy people. Yeah, maybe the woman at the well had been married five times and was living with another guy because she was a loose woman, because she had a so many men, so little time bumper sticker on the back of her car. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Or maybe she had no choice in the matter because she was barren or because she just got dumped from one guy to the next. And in that culture, she had no way to save herself or her family other than to be with a man. So i got to knock off the judging and understand that that red cord means anybody. The great joy to all people means anybody. So I run a mission a yard from the gates of hell because I'm convinced that nobody wants to live that way. And Jesus included them in his Christmas story because he is too. What I'm saying is if we could just all get to the point where we realize that we're all broken, then it gives us a, a, an even place to start. And God doesn't want to leave you there, and I don't want you to stay there, because living in that hell is not a good place. But the only way you're ever going to get saved is if you realize he actually wants to save you in the first place. And the message of Christmas is, he absolutely does. My friend sent me this incredible video about this company in Switzerland that is trying to make the world a better place by making different mannequins. Okay. I, that may sound weird to you, but think about it. I mean, how often do you look at mannequins and go, who really looks like that, you know? You ever see a mannequin with a spare tire or, you know, thinning hair? Ladies, you ever see one with cellulite? Why don't they have cellulite? I, I, you know, why don't they? Because they're plastic people. And they represent an ideal that we could never really match up to. So this company is making new mannequins, and this is pretty extreme. And please know that while your body may not be quite as extreme as the people in this video, they represent us and our souls, if nothing else. They represent the fact that nobody is perfect. Will you please understand that that's basically the Christmas story in a nutshell? It's God looking down at you and seeing all of your imperfections and saying, hey, I know who you are. 
I created you. I didn't want you to be that way. I didn't want you to be broken, but I know that you're broken. And I love you anyway. So I'm going to invite the, the, the stinky shepherds and the pagan wise men and the Rahabs to be a part of this Christmas story of my son's birth. And not only that, but I'm going to send my son, instead of sending him down to be a mannequin, a, a perfect human being at age 30 teaching his ministry, I'm going to let him start all the way back in the beginning. All the way back as a baby. I mean, really, what's more messy than a baby? So take this red cord. Take it and do something with it. Start a new story for your family. Put it in your nativity set. If you can't find a Rahab, let this be in there. Tie it around your tree. Make an ornament. Put it, put it around your, your rearview mirror. Do something with it. Go find yourself a good red tie. And if you are going to continue the tradition of wrapping the stupid presents, use all the red bow you can. Use so much red ribbon around those presents that your family goes, what's the deal with the red ribbon this year? And it'll give you the opportunity to start to tell them the story of Rahab, the prostitute, who had no redeeming quality other than the fact that she stuck out the red cord. She turned off her red light, put out the red cord, so that the red blood of Jesus would cover her sin. And then what would be your reaction to Christmas if you really understood this? It would be different, wouldn't it? On coming to the house, they, the wise men, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. You see, that's what Christmas is all about. So what's keeping you from bowing down? You think you're too smelly? You think you're too far from God? You think you're too sinful? I'm just asking you to put the red cord out. That's all I'm asking. That's all Rahab had to do. Because unto you is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's for you. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, Paul said, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions because it is by grace that you have been saved. I, I don't know if you saw the news report, but um, there was a school somewhere, I didn't even figure out where it was, that decided to sing Silent Night in their school program, but they wanted to be politically correct. So instead of just not singing the song, they decided to edit the song. And of course, it made everybody upset because, I mean, why don't you just not do the song? They decided to do Silent Night and edit it, and I was like, I wonder what they cut. You know what they cut? Christ the Savior is born. Hello. What's the point of all this? I'm a mess. I need a savior. This stuff has to be real. You just do me a favor. Got to have a real baby. This story's got to be real. You got to get it, right? Doesn't matter if they're stinky, doesn't matter if they cry, doesn't matter if they smile, doesn't matter because this is what it's real. I want you to take this red cord, just 
drape it over your lap, put it over the chair in front of you, hang it out of your pocket like I have been, do something with it so that, I don't know, God can see it. I mean, I know I can see it, but, 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 but you've got to do something. And understand that, that he loves you that much, that all you need to do is stick this cord out and he will save you. Understand that this story about this lowly baby, these messy shepherds, this illicit woman, the pagan wise men, the message is that no one is too low, no one is too far, and no one is too bad for the manger. And that all the messy people means you. And when you drive by those quaint, nativity sets on your way home don't forget that God had a mess edge for you and your mess and this is it I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people today in the town of David a savior has been born to you don't leave that part out he is the mess ayah Christ the Lord. If you don't have a mess, you don't need a Messiah. But if you do, he's here. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this beautiful little child. A symbol of what it meant for you to come from all the way to the throne of heaven down to the lowest part of earth to not even have room in a house where you would be born, to come as the lowliest form of human being that exists and not even have a room for you to be born in and have messy shepherds and, and wise men coming from a long way away with turbans on their head because they don't even know what it is to worship God. And that's who came. So that if there are people here, Lord, today, and they think they don't have a place at the manger, help them to know there's a place for everybody at the manger because of this. If there are people who need to stick this red cord out, and maybe it's the first time in their life or the first time in a long time, that they'll just stick it out and say, Jesus, I'm a mess. I need a Messiah. I need you, you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want you to save me. And Lord, that means now and forever. It's not just about eternity. It's about you coming and making our life a better place now. But be with us right now because we just need a place to start. That's what Christmas was all about. Thank you for it, Lord. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could pick the moment that I got to leave this earth and go to heaven, it would be this moment. It'd be kind of cool. Really weird for you, but it'd be cool for me. <laughs> Last service, okay? We'll, let's call it that. It's awesome. It's awesome to look around. It's awesome to think about this. This is why we're here, you guys. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May he make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift his countenance upon us and give us peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.